episode of Surgeons Lives. I'm your host, John Monson. Today's guest is Pascal Fuchschuber, a fellow European, born in Paris, educated and lived for his formative years in Germany. We're going to hear his story, how he came to go from Germany to Texas to Massachusetts um, and to California, where he's spent the last 30 years as a surgical oncologist. We'll hear his journey in cars and how he started with um, a 911 Porsche that he inherited. Not a bad start. So without further ado, let's uh, move now to hear the stories of uh, Pascal Fuchschuber. I'm John Monson, and this is Surgeon's Lives. Yeah, I should uh, definitively start and clarify with you um that it is Fuchschuber. Jawohl. Very nicely done. <laughs> How did you learn that? <laughs> um it's actually it's actually Austrian. It's like Schwarzenegger. It, uh, it it it's the Austrians use those double names. The Germans the Germans have very short names as you know. It's like yes. Schmidt and Yes. And the, the Austrian have these double names. And we come from a family of Austrian immigrants in 1640, when the king of Austria, the emperor of Austria, sided with the pope and and uh, and started the counter-reformation. And our family had become Protestants, like many Austrians. And the king of Prussia was very happy about that because he just... Uh, he just... Um, had all these open spaces in East Prussia, Königsberg and Danzig and all these places that didn't exist then very much. And he invited all the Protestants from Austria to come and populate those places. And there's a new Salzburg in East Pomeria. Ah. Just like there's a New York. Yes. It's it's fair. I mean, immigration yeah. and all this stuff has happened forever, right? It's not something new. Yeah. And um and and whoever didn't want to leave either had to go back to Catholicism or had their head cut off. No, oh, nice. And, and we have family Fuchsubers that are Catholic, very, very successful. They at one point they owned a quarter of the land of Salzburg, very rich family. Unfortunately, the Protestants always remain very poor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they settled in the north of Bavaria, which is today called Franconia, because this all happened right after the 30-year war and the pestilence. So 80% of the population was dead. And there was these fields with um, uh, basically bra bracken fields. And they just went there and started all new. And since then, so I'm therefore, I'm German. My mother's French. I was born in Paris. And um, I grew up in Paris for a short period. Then my father went back to Germany and I lived in Cologne for 27 years in Germany, went to school, university, did my PhD, and then um, got a DAAD, which is the um, equivalent of the National Science Foundation grant okay. to, do two, to do two years of research in tumor immunology because I wanted to become a surgical oncologist, which didn't exist in Germany. And at the time, I was not on very good foot with my boss. I didn't like the way he was the whole way in Germany, actually still like that. 
Yes. That's a, that's a whole new chapter to talk about. Yeah. I wanted to run away as far as I could. And I took I took the opportunity to never come back. Yeah, I have I seen, um, you know, when I lived in Europe, uh, I was in Germany many times, and it's a very hierarchical system. And um, the boss is definitely the boss. And, um, and I'm not made for that. Rights. I have a very strong French Jewish streak in me. <laughs> my, my, <laughs> my mother is Jewish and um, very liberal, and uh, that didn't didn't work for me. And the and the American system, you have to admit, it's it's it has its downsides. You know, a lot of crap gets taught because there is really no structure, and everybody does it pretty much the way they like. Now we're starting to kind of come together a little bit in the world about how we do surgery, but it's still a very, very far cry of what it should be. And yeah. you, you better you better be in a good place to train in, in America to get trained well. That's 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 the Yeah, side. I mean, what I've always said to people about America is that everything you say about it is true um, because it's a very big country. Um, you bet. So somewhere it's the best, it's the worst, it's the richest, it's the poorest. The stupidest, the, the know, most intelligent. I've met the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life in this country, but also the most stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh, yes. Thank you for having me, John. Um, I have to say, John and I know each other for a long time, but we have really never spoke together on Zoom or have met in person. But we run the Surgeon's Garage facebook group which has over 320 surgeons by now that are all interested in cars and i think that's our that's where our nexus is between the two of us and i'm so okay. glad i'm so glad john is taking it a step further with this uh initiative and this uh, um sort of um project to place us on youtube i very much appreciate all the work you do it's fantastic thank you very much for having yeah. me my pleasure. It's, um, you know, it keeps me off the streets like yourself, you know, so. Um, so, um, uh, as I said, you um, born and brought up in France and Germany. Um, and so, uh, yeah. so what was the first car you remember in Europe? Oh, well, <laughs> the first car I drove and I was nine years old was a Peugeot 404 beautiful oh, car yeah the 404 with a, yeah. the 404 with the injection the 110 horsepower 1.8 liter motor with the first mechanical Bosch injection that was put in a in a car in a um serial car you know like a big yeah. company car and why Bosch and why were they able to do it? I know the story, and the story is just amazing. The German flag, the famous 8-8 flag mm -hmm. from World War II. This is this is uh, one of the producers at one of the um, uh, 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 radio companies in Germany who was a young flag helper told me that. They had a rudimentary computer. And the way that computer worked, it was a piece of steel formed arithmetically. The surface was basically wow. the equation of speed, angle, and elevation. 
if you wish. I don't know the details. And there was a little pickup that followed that the surface. And it was set at the speed and the height of the oncoming aircrafts. So yeah. that they had a they had a one in a hundred chance to actually hit the aircraft. And then they they when they when they moved when they moved the flak, it moved according to the surface of this metal mm -hmm. potato, pretty much was the size yeah. of a potato. And Bosch had the same principle in their first mechanical injection, because the problem with the fuel injection is that depending on the rev, you know, the the, the timing of the injection has to be different to, yes. to get yeah. the efficiency out and also to calculate how much fuel should go in. Was that the same? And they didn't do was that the same injection that they put in the 300 SLR when it was the race car, the direct injection? That I don't know. I don't think, I don't, I, it could I it, be. I think it was. That was the first was. direct injection. Yes, yes. Uh, I think um, this was the first race car where they did it. Yeah. And yeah, then they, yeah. and and the Peugeot 4, Peugeot, which is a, the, if not, the, they, they're as old as Mercedes. There's there's some great stories about how Peugeot helped Mercedes and Mercedes sent them their first engine, um, uh, Daimler, when when they started doing the first cars in the in the last uh, decade of the two two centuries ago, and they were a very innovative company in that respect, always been, and so they they were the first ones. I think before even the Germans used it, it was then, a German yeah. built injection. Of course, um, if we if we fast forward um, to your later life, um, Peugeot also had a a role so, in the in the naming of your your Porsches. Um, exactly. They did. They uh, didn't. If I recall correctly, they sued Porsche for use calling their first car the nine hundred one. Right. They because all the they owned yeah. the they owned the O in the middle. Which which is true yeah. when you when you think about it. I mean it's. It's like the seven oh seven, the seven oh, you know, yeah. the 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 Boeing. I mean, they had they had that, and they had, and Porsche understood this very quickly, and and luckily so because nine eleven sounds so much better than. Yeah. <laughs> so you came to um, the states in uh, nineteen eighty seven, yeah, and uh, yeah to um, to MD Anderson. So yes, I went to MD Anderson on a research grant. So I did two years. Hmm, interesting. My light just came out. It's okay. It's fine. No worries. So um, I was interested. To, I wanted to become a surgical oncologist. Mm -hmm. The decision to do immunology was the decision of my boss. Yeah. So at the morning rounds uh, in Germany, every morning, everybody sits down. The bus is in the front. And everybody's facing the boss. And we go over the admissions from last night. And even the most senior people getting yelled at and screamed at by the boss. And I've seen, <laughs> I've seen grown. I was, I was the first, I was in my first year. I was, I was a nobody. I mean, we were on the last row in the back and there was like 10 rows in front of us. And a grown man would, would stand up crying and leave the room. I mean, that's how mm. um, demeaning I would have to say. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so I'm sitting there minding my own business, tired from being up all night. And all of a sudden, I hear my name being yelled at. And I raise my, my look. And then the boss is saying, and Fuchs Schuber is going to be my immunologist. 
<laughs> that was that was it. That was you news know? to and you. Then, you know? that, 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 and then I later I went to one of of his um, uh, sub bosses and I said, "What does that all mean?" He said, "Well, try to get some grand money. He wants you to go to MD Anderson for two years." So I said, "Great." And that's, that's interesting. Um, uh, when I train, I you know, brought up in Ireland in medical school in Ireland, and I went to spend some time in Leeds in England. Um, and uh, my boss said to me, um, I think it's time for you to do two years of research. Um, and I went, okay. And I, I said, what are we going to do? And he said, uh, tumor immunology. Oh, <laughs> so, that's so <laughs> Look so at that. I wrote Isn't my doctoral funny? thesis on interleukin-2 and... and uh... <laughs> no way. I did my whole work on interleukin-2 activated T-cells. <laughs> Yeah, natural killer cells. Yeah, sure. I worked. I worked with Lotsova, Eva Lotsova, who came out of Rosenberg's lab in at the yeah. NIH. I mean, it, we spent millions of dollars because these little vials of IL two then were were oh, worth sure. their weight yeah, in yeah, gold. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, one of the people I visited uh, in those days was, of course, Josh Fiddler. Um, yeah, he, um, I interviewed with him. I almost ended up in his lab, but I didn't like him as a person. He was interesting, I think. Um, I had met him. Uh, I had done some PhD um, tumor models in Germany, and I, I went to Greece once and 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 gave a, a speech, a, a talk, I presented my data, and he turns to me and says, that's too clean. I don't believe it. I mean, I was like... <laughs> yeah. I said, okay, well, I, you know, I said, yes, sir, you know, and, and that was it, but he... He didn't, you know, then I, I ended up in MD Anderson and there was a point where the decision had to be made where I should work. And, and Rafe Pollock, who was, yeah, um, I know very well, was, yeah. he was, he was a fellow when I came and I ended up in his lab uh, yeah. to start with because yeah. he was, he, he just finished fellowship and he was taken over. And so I know him. I mean, we did research together for almost three years and, um, he said, well, you, you you can look around. So I said, okay. And he said, why don't you look? No, Dr. Oda. Dr. Oda was another attending who had worked with Fiddler. He said, hey, you should you should go and, and talk to Fiddler. So I did. Yeah, yeah. And um, I still didn't like him. <laughs> so when you were in um, MD Anderson, uh, what was your, uh, what were you driving around in? Uh, <laughs> good question. I bought for $300. I bought a 1972 Buick Limited Coupe. Wow. And I was proud as heck. I remember taking the car, parking it side by side to an extended length 560 Mercedes SEL, biggest <laughs> limousine, and it looked small and sent it to my friends in Germany and said, look, I got a bigger car than that. <laughs> yeah. And, and it drove. Um, I, they used to, you know, those type of cars would, you know, pass everything except a gas station, you know. They... But listen, when I arrived in Houston, gas was 73 cents a gallon. Wow. Yeah. And that thing, well. had a, that thing had a 25-gallon tank. Yeah. And that was what twenty fifteen dollars to fill up, or twenty dollars, <laughs> and it it lasted for two hundred miles. <laughs> yeah, but I yeah. mean, 
I never drove much with it. It was just to go basically to work and yeah, back. Sure. And it had it it eventually uh, gave up his um his uh soul by cracking the sil- the 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 uh, sil- the motor block. The block. And yeah. I yeah, and I sold it for scrap for a hundred bucks, which was still I thought was it's a pretty bad. good deal. Yeah. And uh-huh. then and then I bought an MGB. Ooh. Wow. That's a bit of a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the experimenting phase then. And uh, that's where I met my wife with. And she still remembered to this day that the car was a really nice looking car and really kind of sort of a chick magnet, yeah. if I may say so, even today, although I apologize for all the people that um, <laughs> feel offended, but that's the word uh, she used. But when it rained, the car oh, stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's several times during these heavy Texas yeah. downpours, yeah. we were kind of stranded because the the very the very uh, elegant Lucas Electric uh, yes. just didn't like rain. The uh, the Lucas Prince of Darkness Electric. The Prince of Darkness. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, the the electrics, the same Lucas stuff was in the Jags as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think they started off pretty good, but then in in the in the later years, uh, the car industry in 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 Great Britain suffered a lot from sure yeah from lack of uh, attention right now, you never went home you know uh, you know to, back to Germany you you um you came in eighty seven and never went back I went back just to visit but I never yeah. I tried after I was done with residency I went to Germany because it just had opened up the east and in, believe it or not the only dedicated cancer hospital in Germany was in East Germany. It was the uh, um, um, in, in the outskirts of East Berlin. And it had been... Yeah, Is it the Max um, Planck? No, that's not the Max Planck. It was called Buch, Berlin ah, Buch okay. Clinic. And it had been taken over by a very famous, I blank on his name, um, surgeon from the West. And okay. I went to interview and I had done I had done three years of research. I'd published 15 papers. I'd done five years of uh, training. I could do any operation. Sure. You know how training in the United States is a little different than in Germany. And I arrived there and he said, he looked at me and said, well, you know, your publication factor is only blah, blah, blah. And yeah, you can start as a first year resident if you want. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was it, you know. And I had, I had a hard time convincing my wife, who is Chinese, yeah. uh, to come with me to Germany. She was, she said, "I'll give you four years," because even at that time already, the racist undercurrents, yeah. mm. especially in the East, yeah, were, yeah. Pr- yeah. were pretty bad, sure. pretty bad against foreigners in general. So you I went. went to- um, you went from one extreme to the other. You know, from Texas and um, oil and cowboys, and to the liberal heartland of Massachusetts. Well, um, yeah, that's a, it's a whole new, beautiful story, classical uh, story of an immigrant to the United States at at our level in terms of education and stuff. So. After I decided not to go back to Germany, 
after my um i was a project investigator made him uh, got a pretty good check for that for two years with eva lotsova in her lab i i decided to stay and then the then the question is how am i going to get how am i going to become a surgeon because i still wanted to become a surgeon i some of my colleagues had changed and and became radiation oncologists because they really wanted to be in the lab for the rest of their life but i really didn't think that that was me and so forth so i went to uh, rafe pollock and he said you're going to have a hard time because you have never worked in an american hospital you have no pedigree to speak of and, yeah. and they don't know germany even though i was an aoa student and all of that yeah. i mean i i had all the trimmings from germany he said you can try the you should go to the match and you can put in four or five surgical cases uh, um, universities yeah. but put one put one internal medicine so i put one internal medicine for schwartz in um in rochester new york and huh. then four universities invited me for an interview for surgery portland trunky some place in Memphis, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, University of Chicago and UMass. Right. Trunky knew my boss Troidel very well. So yeah. I had a little bit, but they still said we just have we just have too many good people from America and we can't deny them a position for somebody we don't know. I didn't um I didn't realize your boss was Troidel. Yes. So um he and I don't don't tell me. No, no. Don't tell me. No, no. He no, I mean I, this is gonna take another hour, this interview. I can see. He and I were awarded the honorary fellowship of the um Royal College of Surgeons of Glasgow on the same day. Well, it's funny because I was awarded the, the honorary fellowship of the um um uh, of the um uh Association de Chirurgie Française, the second oldest one. <laughs> and I was in the room with very, very famous people. And it was, you know, so it's it must have been a very funny thing for you to be with him in the same room and, and see there were, him. I think there were five of us at the same day. Jonathan Meekins was another one. Um, yes. Who all on the same day. And it was um, organized by a guy, a guy called David George, who was a wonderful man, breast surgeon, who was the chair of surgery in, in Glasgow. Um, well, try to course, as it. you know, um, yeah. I was in Rochester for eight years where, where Cy Schwartz was in the next office to me. Um, so I, I could have ended up there. Uh, that was 19. Lovely yeah. man. You know, Lovely um, man. Yeah. I mean, I went for the highest possible that I thought was the best sure. medicine, you know, because I said, and, and he, so to continue that story, he, I got a letter from him and said, yeah, you have a job. And then, then, and I had I had gotten a letter of uh, I I didn't get in in any of the other places. So then came my personal American moment. I just said, "That cannot be. I am a good man. I am AOA. I worked very hard. What the? Why then? Don't so so? I just picked up the phone." And called the three program directors and 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 very very, very politely, <laughs> just said, "I just want to learn for the next time, so that I can, you yeah, know, what yeah. what did I do wrong? I, yeah. you know, and it was just 
I was true to myself. I was really yeah. feeling that way. I was so naive. And the guy in in Worcester, Massachusetts, was who who was a very nice guy. I love him to this day, but I forgot his name. He was the program director. Mm -hmm. He said to me, "But Pascal, you 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 matched for the categorical program." And I said, "What?" And he <laughs> said, "Yeah, yeah. We there's a preliminary, and I didn't know." Yeah, and he said, "He said, look, I have we have an ENT guy that just um, uh, didn't come. Yeah, and I have a second. I have a two year preliminary spot for you. And I I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I yeah. later found out, and I just immediately said, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, yes, but did you did you get did you? So I had to tell him that Schwartz had, and he said, you got to get a letter." That Schwartz lets you out of this thing, yeah. and I wrote to Schwartz, and he was very magnanimous, and sure. probably had fifteen other people that wanted to work for him, just like me. He wrote me a letter, and I got in. So, um, if we fast forward, um, you did your residency there, and then only uh, one year, well, uh, one year, and uh, then I, um, I was married already, right, and my, uh, my wife was in Houston. And so I, after the first year, um, that was just by pure chance. After the first year, the program director says, look, Pascal, you are at the top third of your class. I mean, I worked really hard. I went at 3.30 in the morning. I went to the hospital to round. Patients were like, doctor, you're <laughs> really early. Yeah. Because we had to know all the labs by heart. It was like a Harvard, sure. Harvard yeah. Uh, yeah. type training, which for me as a German was still very it normal yeah. <laughs> it was like everybody was complaining and i was like no that's not that's really easy here yeah. <laughs> and so <laughs> so he said unfortunately we don't have a categorical spot for you but i i just found out that in houston <laughs> ut houston has an opening as a second year yeah. do you want to go and i said well yeah that's perfect because <laughs> that's who i want to go back to so it was just, uh, I was back. just lucky. Yeah. yeah. And Very then you lucky. ended up, um, you ended up in Roswell for your Sir John. Yeah. Right. So then I, a part of the training at uh, UT is that you do um, two big rotations at MD Anderson. I'd worked at MD Anderson yeah. for doing research. I knew everybody. I, I knew I was probably not going to uh, be at the level where I can get in anyway. Because I mean, MD Anderson already at that time was looked at as a at least as good, if not better, than Memorial. So all the really yeah. top people uh, from the top the universities, yeah. you know, I came. I still was compared to somebody <laughs> coming from Harvard. I was a nobody, and you know, they have their their uh, chief calling the chief. You know how it goes. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. I, I was pretty sure. I mean, I I applied for MD Anderson as a surgical oncology program, but of course I didn't get in. And then I went, I, I got an invitation from Nick Petrelli. Yeah. And and to me, Nick, to this day, is still the greatest educator in surgical oncology of the entire United States. We beat MD Anderson. We beat Memorial at the yearly, um, you know, when there was this, this um, in-service we yeah, just yeah. he he was just the consummate 
nice-hearted, demanding, but fair yeah. educator. Yeah. Like, I've not met anybody like him. He's still alive. I think he's in Delaware. And 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 an extremely funny guy. He played he played in a he played in a um, punk band during the time of Ramones in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew yeah. he knew how to a punk band or rock band, and he yeah. played the electric guitar. He knew how to have fun. When when we had our when we had the party when we were done with two years, I mean we a bunch of guys took him and we put his face into the cake, and he he took he loved it. <laughs> Yeah, you, the, you know the other guy um, who's a big, um, uh, really skilled um, musician and knowledgeable, of course, is Jeff Matthews um, in the University of Chicago. He, I mean, he's released um, he released an uh, you know an EP as it used to be called, uh, you know, a half, really maybe maybe a year or so ago. Very wow. knowledgeable, skilled guy. Um, he's a he's a real polymath, is, is Jeff Matthews. So he's at Sages, uh, I think. He's like at on the board of Sages. No, yeah. maybe I'm confusing him with yeah. Brent Matthews. I'm confusing yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. I'm confusing him. So um, Roswell, and then Kaiser for twenty eight plus years. So, so then you know. At that point, when I I was done with my surgical culture, I went to Nick and I said, "These are cars, by the way, so we're allowed to have a glass of wine." Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm having my my coffee of the afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> it's the time. The wine. The, yeah, the time. I was going to say, just wait three hours and it'll be a glass of wine. <laughs> Especially, I'm not on call today, so 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 Nick Nick said, you know, um, what do you want to do? And I said, I'm I'm going to try to stay in academics. Although I had already a little bit of a feeling that that was not really what I wanted, you know. I mean, I was, I was, I came from a very academic family. It was the right My, thing to say, though. Right. Mm. And I went to, um, I went to uh, Monica Morrow at University of um, uh, Northwestern. I went to um, MD and to MD to UT. Right. Uh, I went to Hopkins. I interviewed with Cameron. Yeah. With Cameron, yeah. Who offered me a one hundred and forty thousand a year job at the uh, Bay Bay yeah. View. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it sounded really bad. <laughs> I think that job is still available, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's probably still available. <laughs> but I was like. And then I had uh, the best interview, the best academic interview was at uh, Morgantown University of West Virginia. They offered me two secretaries, $160,000 stopped up money for a lab. I mean, it was great. Yeah, but it was West Virginia. And so Anne was with me, my wife, and she said, I'll give you at most four years here. I could feel the eyes of the people in the back of my, my head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said to myself, you know, and then I was <laughs> one evening I was perusing the New England Journal of Medicine. I mean, of all places, and there was an ad for surgical oncology in California. And I had my first meeting, my first big American College of Surgeons meeting, where I had a poster and Rafe Pollock had a talk, and it's the first time I met. Uh, Cameron, because Rafe Pollock was introduced by Charlie Balch to Cameron as a future leader in surgery, 
and I was standing at his side. Interesting moments there, never forget. Yeah, no, yeah. And and I was sitting on the steps of Moscone Center, which was not as big as then. It was a bright, sunny day in October, and I said, this is the best place I've seen on this world, but I probably will never make it here. I remember saying that. Mm -hmm. 1989 or 88. 98. Nah, 88. I came to, this was just a year after I came. Oh, I had done some oh, research. Really? Yeah, oh, 1988. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had said that. Yeah. And then I saw this ad. So I said, oh, okay, let's go. In, yeah. yeah. And so I went, I went to interview and it was fantastic. They offered, I had the, first of all, it was the nicest group of uh-huh. surgeons I've ever worked with. That's the most important years. thing. Mm-hmm. My chief was sort of the Clint Eastwood kind of type, you know, physiognomic, both coolness and and gentleness and kindness and 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 uh, comp- competency. I mean, I pictured him operating on a patient and taking a telephone out and say, "Ah, just put that to pathology without without." changing the tone of his voice no or anything. Panic. I mean, yeah, no yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? And so I I, I I was the first surgical oncologist that they hired. So they had realized that they couldn't continue without one. I mean, they were doing ripple procedures with a 10% mortality rate. Mm. And yeah. so... And they were not alone, I mean, in those days. Oh, no, 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 in those days, no. So I, I, I started there, and I promised them, you know, that I would do one year of everything. I would pay my dues as a general surgeon, but then I would I would uh, become a surgical oncologist. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, But luckily, I continued to do general surgery call every month, two, three, four nights, till the end of my career there. And yeah. but, but I... Be, it was uh, Silverstein was at UCSF uh, using the first radio frequency ablation machine. Oh, yeah. That little reader box, fifty yeah, yeah, watts. Yeah, 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 you yeah. could do hardly any harm to anything yeah. with this thing. <laughs> and I, I thought that was a great idea. I went over there for a week. He, he taught me how to do it, and I became, I became. Uh, I mean, I had done some. I had been trained in hepatobiliary surgery, but I didn't have a hepatobiliary yeah. fellowship. But I, I taught myself in, in, in large part, and I, I became almost an international an internationally known uh, hepatobiliary surgeon within a system of a private hospitals, if you will. Sure, sure. And I remember once I had a patient, my first patient with a cholangiocarcinoma, which is sort of the most difficult surgery yeah. you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Whipple is easy compared to yeah. that, especially if it's a centrally located one. And I said, hmm, this is a little bit of a number too big for me. And I called Roberts, who was the chief of transplant at UCSF. He he was the husband of uh, of the chief of surgery there. <laughs> Her name, I, I forgot. Nancy Asher. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and then I he said to me, Well, you know, Pascal, I have never done one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he said, Why don't you do it? <laughs> yeah. And I do nice. I did. I did. Yeah. I I I did. We had good CT scans. We had good interventional radiologists. 
I had very good pathologists. It, I mean, we all had good stuff. All of what you wanted, yeah. And then, then I, I, I pushed for, and then we hired two more hepatobiliary surgeons, wow. and we be, we became the center. Except that eventually the higher ups decided to put it somewhere else, and yeah, so. I left. So, I mean, they're, they're, um, they're so in the in the in the time that's left to us, um, uh, let's. Um, Let's talk about some cars. I, I'm looking at the models behind you, and um, two or three of them I recognize, and at least one of them uh, I suspect. Um, so uh, here's my little CMC collection. It's yeah. mostly uh, pre-war Formula One. Yeah. And then I, I, as you can see, but there are some cars I have uh, down there. Is a fourth a Peugeot. You can see a Peugeot for. Yeah. And a little Renault Four, which I drove, and I drove a two seat. A, a well, I was thinking, I was thinking behind you. I, I was trying to work out what some of them were. I think I can see a Cobra and a nine eleven, and I'm pretty sure that's a two fifty short wheelbase Ferrari that's sitting there. That's I'm exactly to right. Myself, I'm not going to talk to this guy if he owns a two fifty short wheelbase Ferrari. No, I'm just dreaming of just it. Just the just the one in eighteen model, you know. <laughs> So what was your first um, non-transport car when you'd, you know, when your journey, when you'd stopped moving and, uh, you know, life had settled and you got, you know, a dollar or two or maybe, uh, maybe not. But, you know, when you, I know you, you had, uh, you put, you had a Toyota that you put 350,000 miles on. So what was the, you know, what was the first um, so, car of I interest, if you like? Do you do you mind if I I, I take a little bit of a discourse on this and excourse sure. on it? I grew up both a few miles away from the Montlerie Linas uh, racetrack in France, which is the second oh, yeah. oldest. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-five, Ascari yeah. Ascari died there. I could when I was at my grandparents' house in Paris and in in the countryside there, close to Paris, I could hear the cars racing. And I could basically drive uh, half a mile and walk through the woods and get over the over uh, um, um, a, a wall, and I was on the track, and there was nobody. Wow. So that was one. And I was like nine, ten, eleven years old. And Cologne is about fifty miles from the Nurburgring. And my yeah. father was a big. Uh, he liked fast cars, but he never had one. But he would take us. And I remember I was nine years old and I was standing at the edge of the asphalt of the track in the, at the Nürburgring at the Mühle after the Adenauer Bridge when it goes up, which is a really a dangerous, fast, dangerous right-hander because the, the, it goes like this. And I saw I, I saw the, the, the blue, I remember to this day the blue Tyrell of, of Jackie, Jackie uh, Stewart, who was my, I mean, he was the guy yeah you know? yeah of course and uh go wishing by and the, the red ferraris who i don't remember who was in there but that kind of stuck with me so i was always very interested in cars and the first car that was kind of not transportation because i really didn't need a car in, in germany was this thing which is a 203 Peugeot. This is the lion yeah, on the front. Yeah, yeah. And I bought this for like $1,500 on the side of the road in France, and I restored it a little bit in my at my grandparents, and I brought it to Cologne. 
and I had the interior done. I spent a little, I, I had already a little bit of money then. And and then I sold it when I went over to the United States. Yeah. And I always, I kind of sort of always liked cars, but I was way too busy to even think about it. And by the time uh, things relaxed a little bit, one day my wife says, you know, my, my uh, godfather died and they have a 911 Targa. They want to give it to you. Because you're always interested in cars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough choice. You know. So I said, decision. and I, I had not thought about at that point to actually start anything with cars, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of sort of brought to me. And for $400, I had the car brought over. It, it, the, the, his nephew had tried to start the engine with water in the yeah. engine and had I still have the piston. I'm showing you. Um, hang on. And it, I presume he wasn't running at this stage. I mean, it was, uh, as as you say, he tried to start it, but <clears throat> things were not good. Am I still on? Yeah. No, I was going to say, presumably it wasn't running at this stage. So this is, look at this thing. That That yeah. is that is one of the uh, bent. pistons. It says bent. And then and then the rod is bent, and that's that's a that's a thick big rod. Yeah, yeah. That's from yeah. a nine eleven SC three liter engine. And I was lucky. I I met this old guy, former Porsche mechanic, uh, the in Lafayette, which is down the road, who had this little shop, and I became his friend. I had a German newspaper come and 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 do a do a thing about him because he. He really was very, very good. And he put the car back together for very little money. He sold yeah. me, he said, he sold me an injection system that was broken for $1. He said, oh, it's, I got one up there. I'll, I'll charge you a dollar for it. But he, we did a complete, he did a complete engine and then um, the brakes and a, and a fuel system that was, that was classic things and to you, do. you still have that car, yeah. And I still have that yeah. car. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... You know, as um, uh, when people are watching the video, um, I I'll be able to show the pictures of the cars that you sent. I know you sent me that car as well. Yeah. And then you have a so, 993, don't you? Yeah. And then um, then this after this 911, the next car uh, that I bought for everyday use was an, um, a Corvette C5. It uh, happened to be a colleague of mine who became too old to get into the car, and I bought it for very cheap, and I loved it. And then... The second, the, so that was that's kind of a becoming a collector's car, but and then and then my wife, the next thing happened is that my wife had to drive one of our uh, daughters to school in San Francisco, and she needed a two seater to go on the HOV lane without paying because you either had to be three people in a regular car or you had to have a two seaters with two people you could you could yeah. use it and. And that's a half an hour time uh, gain over the yeah, regular sure. traffic. Yeah, sure. So I was looking at at one point. So that was the next car, and it's a 2002 R129 Silver Arrow uh, 500 SL Mercedes. Oh, yeah. that was the cheapest. That was cheaper than the Honda 2000 or you name it. Two. <laughs> I got it for like. I got it for twelve thousand dollars. This is your kid going to school, and you give them a five hundred SL. And so I bought this car for my wife because it was the cheapest car I could find. It was a. Oh, you bought it for your wife. 
Okay. Yes. That's fine. And she yeah. loves this car to this yeah, day. She doesn't car. want to get rid of it. And yeah. I have to say, from all the cars we have, it's the nicest car to drive. Yeah, it's I had just... one for when I was in Rochester. I had one for a couple of years. It had this they funny. Just... It had this funny thing that it wasn't quite level, and they kept trying to, you know, the air suspension. Oh, you had an air suspension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have the one with the steel. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. They, they, they don't it's recommend. Great, to... I mean, they're great cars. Those, yeah, and they still are. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. It's just. Um, it's just. I think the best steel. The most comfortable steel suspension that was ever made for a car. Yeah, no, they're they're great cars. And um, I and mentioned then, earlier that the seat that you have the nine nine three as well. Yeah, and so then I, 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 I drive to work through the street of a couple of blocks from here, and I I see this guy with with this nine eleven nine nine three souped up, and I I it turns out that his daughter is going to the same school than mine daughter and we start becoming friends and he is a fanatic i mean his son is now uh, 19 years old he's on the we we talk about him on the on the facebook side he's in the he's a, becoming a professional driver he was his son oh, yeah. was then three yeah uh brad yeah, lou I've, I've seen yeah yeah, 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 yeah young yeah, kid yeah. Bru, um, lou brad lou is the name of the father and bryson yeah. lou is the name of the and he's in a lamborghini series and is winning and is going to europe and was in live yeah. and everywhere he this son was three years old when i met wow. <laughs> and he was yeah. he was racing in the kitchen and his father was trying to teach him to do a power slide on a tricycle so and his dad and is he brad. had this car his dad is then, brad brad lou yeah so he must have Spent most of his money on his son. Oh, his yes. Kid. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm sure he did. And, and more than he has, probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I you, never, you. I don't touch the subject lightly because. No, I no. Know. I mean, that, that famous phrase, you know, how do you make a small fortune going racing? You know, you start with a large fortune. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but the kid, yeah. the kid so far, you know, there were points where they just, they were shortly they were really thinking about not going the next step because it was just like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, and the rest. Yeah. And, and, rest. and, and going everywhere. And, you know, he, the kid yeah. got COVID in, in Indianapolis because, yeah. you know, I mean, you have to go. It's, so um, anyway, he, he, one day, and, and I look at his car and he lets me drive it. It's a nine, it's a nine, nine, three, a little bit modified. Yeah. Not, not in terms of engine and power because that car doesn't need any and more power no. but it has it has a um a, a um a metal on metal uh suspension system it has mo mo uh, mo moton sh uh, shocks on it which are at yeah. the time were the best shocks that you could change it has uh recaro racing seats and the rs most importantly, the RS brakes, the largest brakes you can put on this car. And you know, we, we were able to see from the pictures that it's currently in the intensive care unit, or at least... No, it was. The, at least in the hospital, anyway. Yeah, it, uh, I had to... I had to to have the shocks redone. They were completely broken because all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, that car doesn't really hold the road anymore. What's going on? And I thought... <laughs> that, and, and one of the stabilizer uh, links were broken and the shocks were all broken. So that's the photos I sent you when I took everything apart and put it back together. And he sold me that car and I paid quite a bit for it, but I was so in love with that car. I wanted to have it. And that that's 
started it all. That really was the first time I put extra money in a lot of extra money into a car because I wanted it just because I wanted then, it, you know. Uh, it's, you you have, you know, the two 911s and, and then from the sublime to the ridiculous with <laughs> the Cadillac. Um, yes. Which is the size of Rhode Island, you know. I mean, Approximately, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the in the in the uh, uh, east west uh, expansion of it, <laughs> but at least you can put the entire office in the back of the car. <laughs> so so, I I love you know, as an immigrant to the United States, and as I already sh described, I fell in love with these big American yeah, cars, and yeah. um, I have another surgeon that you know, Din Nguyen. Mm -hmm. who has a whole collection of Cadillacs. I mean, he has some beautiful things. Right, right, yeah. And he, he when when I went to see his cars, I fell in love with it. And so I took a long, long time to look at all the different years. And the 62 year, just, that was just what I wanted. It's the one that so, did it for you. Yeah. 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 And I got a very good deal on it. They are now uh, getting to be very, very yeah. expensive. And I love it. I love it because it's also a car you, I mean, I can take the axle out, the back axle and put a new bearing on. And I, you know, these cars, you can really do everything yeah. yourself. They're pretty simple. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty simple. And then and you, um, in terms of brute force and ignorance, um, there's, you know, the, the poster child for brute force and ignorance is a 427 Cobra. You know. That was before the Cadillac. Oh, was it? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That was before the Cadillac. And that, <laughs> uh, that was, you know, I was in full swing, you know, in full, in full, de in full uh, de delirians. Yeah, that's, um, I think it's called full um, midlife crisis. You know? Yeah, full midlife crisis. Yeah, yes. exactly. I mean, uh, from top, from, from, from top to bottom. So and, I have got, um, I've got a few um, standard questions, um, you know, that, uh, I was going to um, ask, uh, I, you know, I've asked everyone um, in this um, in this process, and uh, so I'll fly them by you just um, just uh, uh, to see uh, what your reactions are. So, the worst car you ever had? I think it had to be the Buick. The which? The Buick Limited. Oh, the Buick, yeah, the yeah, Buick, yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta say that that was probably sure. a, clo a, clo a close second would be the MGB or maybe the MGB versus yeah. the Buick. You know, the Buick was only three hundred bucks for him. Yeah, so maybe the MGB then, because really, it, it's it's a beautiful car, but it's. I had a when I was um, a just not well put together. A fellow in the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. I I bought the previous fellows. Um, Pontiac Bonneville um, for 400 bucks and it was of course rusted you know and it had a huge front bench seat um, electric bench seat and at the, yeah, end of the electric. Year, exactly. at the end of the year and it just you know just devoured fuel you know um, but it, it it did it what its thing and at the end of the year I sold it for 400 bucks you know? there you go same story <laughs> it's probably still driving around Rochester as we speak so what was your um the the flip side the best car you've ever owned and or one that surprised you by being so good 
Well, that depends, really depends on the criteria because they, 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 there's a lot of different best cars that way. I, I think from, from, uh, from the, right, the, the pure pleasure of driving, it was the Renault 4. <laughs> because I, I, maybe that's because I'm jaded because I was young and I was, and <laughs> you, it was just such a pleasure to be always at full speed. Yeah. <laughs> and you could drive pretty much every street at full speed. And that and was really nice. bizarre uh, gear change. And it's a beautiful, <laughs> comfortable. <laughs> and, and the engine had uh, enough suppleness that you could it didn't matter which range um, rpm you were there was and it it was practical light and it it was like a good horse that would drive you home at night uh, without you putting too much effort in well, where you go so i'm going to ask it in a different way um the best car so today of your cars you can only have one which is it the nine eleven, the two, the nineteen eighty nine eleven Targa, the Targa, yeah. Even and the though, reason, even though yeah. it leaks is it leaks the same as the MGB because they all no, it doesn't. Targas, no? Yeah, no, actually, it. That, I told you that it was done by this race mechanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he told me you got two hundred thousand miles on this engine and it's not going to leak and it hasn't leaked so far. No, I meant and the roof. Um, <laughs> oh, the roof! Yes, of course, but yeah. I mean, it doesn't really rain in California, so yes. Oh, that is yeah. so funny that you mention that because uh, one of the Troidel's um, um, senior senior assistant had exactly that car, mm. and he, I don't know how many times he was came in cursing about the roof leaking oh, yeah. in Germany. Of course, where it rains almost every other day. The modern no, but, targets don't apparently. They don't. No, they don't. They don't but so, but in terms of like drive, and it's like um, the perfect relationship between weight, ability yeah. to road hold, yeah. and horsepower. Yeah. It's just perfect. Yeah, they. Just a, you know, and it's, to drive. it's really fascinating when you see nine elevens now. I had I've had a few nine elevens over the years, but you know the modern 911s are big 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 huge cars, cars. Oh, yeah. and the little things like the as you say the targo or indeed the 911t's and e's they're tiny little things they're tiny like, little things and they're they're such a fun to drive yeah, because it's almost yeah. like it's, it's almost like a mini almost like yeah. a mini with with yeah, a I, used more to have a, I had a 356 for a while i mean it's you know it's just it's just like a volkswagen beetle on steroids you know and etc so if you budget is not a limit and uh, you have one dream bucket list car, um, what is it going to be? Is it, is it a model in your office there? Is it one of those models or what, you know, budget? No, no, I, um, I, uh, hang on. One would be, one would be um, for show and that would be a pack art. I oh, yeah. love, I love these these types of cars, yeah. and it would be a, a eight an eight Packard, yeah, sort of like yeah. this. I mean, this thing is indestructible. I mean, yeah. there's there's yeah. there's still people driving these cars that they bought them new in 1930. Sure. Yeah, they're still yeah. driving them around today. I mean, the the not the same person, but the same family every day. And then the other one would be a, a DS Citroen DS. 
uh, oh, convertible. Yeah. Oh, I saw you put a post up um, of a chaperone. Yeah, um, I mean they are they are. That's the one. I mean that's, that's magnificent me. things, you know. Um, yeah, and there there there's no way that car would ever be made today by a rational. No way. You yeah. couldn't copy that, no. Well, you know, I mean Citroen, and then their, you know, when they were making these cars with their suspension, I mean it was just spectacularly sophisticated in. You know, at that time, and still is today. There's nothing. Still like is it. today. Um, I mean, you drive one of these cars once, and it no other car can give you that. Um, not only the comfort of it, but the total security that you're going to get to A to B, even if a wheel falls off. You know, it's interesting. Um, I did a uh, years and years ago, twenty years ago, I did a Monte Carlo Rally Historique in a in a mga and you know it's a little thing you know but quite suitable and you know we were flying around the you know the calls and stuff like that around monte carlo and um a a guy in a citroen ds who was in the rally came past us as if we were standing still and <laughs> it was nothing to do with power no, the fact the handling of the thing was just unbelievable. <laughs> there's there's a story of Charles de Gaulle uh, uh, being uh, they, they tried to kill him the military because he he let he stopped the Algerian war, which was the right thing to do, in my opinion and everybody's opinion. But there was the there was a lot there was almost a military coup in France, and they had he was driving through a street in Paris somewhere on the on the outskirts. And they had people with machine guns. And he was driving in the back of one of these DSs. That was that is still was very long, was the car yeah. for the president in the and I still now it's a C, it's still a Citroen, I think. I'm not sure. They shot two wheels flat, and the guy was able to go at you know yeah. 80, 80 miles an hour and leave and save the yeah, Save them because the car the car was totally drivable at high speed with two flats, you know. Yeah, they're it's... remarkable cars. So just in the last couple of minutes, Pascal, um, um do you have any um big car adventures or ambitions? Number one, the two-part question. Um and um uh, second, uh, you know, like, do you want to, is there an event you want to do or anything like that? And uh, the other question I was going to ask you was, um, um, where do you think the cars have helped you in terms of, or have they helped you in terms of the balance of life and work and, um, you know, detuning from work, the stresses of work? Uh, you know, some people are you know, we we are both. We've mentioned a few of them tonight, and people that we both know, who you know, their lives were exclusively in the office um, and in the hospital, and you know, they mm. didn't have a life outside. Mm. For you, what does that mean? So, to 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 answer your first question, mm -hmm. I have not really uh, looked at having cars being a social thing very much. But now that I have the Cadillac, things have changed a little bit. <laughs> that is a social car. 
I yeah. mean, you go and buy some beer at the supermarket and it'll take you twice as long as normal because yeah. people start talking to you. And I, my plan is I have a good friend in New York, um, Dr. Shah, who is the, one, the chief of surgery at the, one of the big hospitals there. And he talked to me about some car events. And I said, when I told him I had this car, he said, you got to go cross country. And so one day I will do that. That'll be, you know, big deal. And I'm going to take Anne and we're going yeah. to try to drive this car cross country. Why not? Yeah. And then the other thing that I've I'm done I'm doing this year, which is based on on what you suggested, is to go to Goodwood. Oh, I've yeah. been following Goodwood forever on YouTube. I'm in, mm. I'm enamored with the with the videos and and the show and the people and the way it's it's done. I always thought this was the greatest yes. show on earth. So finally, I'm going with uh, one of my friends who is also a car surgeon, car enthusiast. So that would that that would be that, and I'm probably gonna start going to some of these cars and coffee events every yeah, Sunday, yeah. which are all over the place. I mean, almost yeah. every little village now has one of these things. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. interesting. I didn't know well, until recently. Um, I'm I'm hoping to get to Goodwood um, this year. I have not been for three years, and um, I will expect to see you in a, an appropriate period outfit. Yes, um, yeah. we we already Chris and I are already talking about how we're going to handle that. But he <laughs> so has nineteen forty eight to sixty six is your That's is right. your window of uh, of fashion. You know, we we'll get there. And then in terms of um, what did cars? So I think I'm a surgeon because I started working on cars when I was nine years old. I mean, I like the hand-eye coordination mechanical thing in life. I'm That's just me. I love mm -hmm. that. And, I, and the instant gratification that you put something together and it works, you know, yeah. or it doesn't. <laughs> and yeah. then you have to start over. But that's still, you know... Yeah. Um, yeah. And doesn't and, always work like that in surgery. No, well, it doesn't always, though. And not with cars either, right? But you know, the advantage with the cars, of course, is that, that the engine is not running while you're doing it. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, of course, it 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 gives me something that nobody else does in my family. And I think that for me, as old-fashioned or macho or that might be, it gives me a thing where I can close the door and that stuff doesn't happen yeah, exactly. something else happens yeah. i think for i think i think that's important because you know the i for me personally i live in a household that's very asian my mother-in-law lives with us i have three daughters and one wife so i'm i'm surrounded by women <laughs> My, and it might it might it yeah. might sounds a little fishy, but for me that is important to have something where where I don't have to listen to conversation. That's important for me. And also I just like the I just like sure. right, being in the driver's seat. I mean, so, come on now. That's <laughs> it just fits, right? I mean you, exactly. you're you're well, responsible for your outcomes, you're responsible for your what you do and 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 with with all that comes with it, it's yeah. not really a relaxing thing. I think going to the garden 
and 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 making sure everything is, is more relaxing in the sense of relaxing but it fits it fits the bill yeah it fits the it, bill um, it takes the marks well pascal listen um um we're out of time but thank you so much for um spending the time talking to me today um and um there are lots of other for people watching there are lots of other surgeons already signed up um the story is uh, of uh, Europe across um, to the United States is um, a fascinating story. Um, I'm going to be talking um, in the next uh, uh, videos to surgeons in the UK and um, surgeons from around about the United States, um, transplants um, and various others. So as I said before, um, press uh, the subscribe button, um, press like, and send us your comments and uh, join us again for another conversation um, for surgeons in their cars.